The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Brought panic to their minds The evil of that hour Was stronger than the sun That beat on them With nowhere left to run The chariots of Egypt Drew nearer as they cried Yet Moses stood there calmly With a fearless faith inside He said there is a power Far greater than the sword Stand still and you will witness A mighty salvation from our Lord And then the Red Sea parted For now there was a
At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn, all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well, Pharaoh and all his officials and the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. During that night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up! Leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go! Worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go. And also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, We will all die. And they were brought out of Egypt. There are two great events that all of history circles around. That first great event was the Israelites being brought out of Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. All through the scriptures, the Red Sea opening and crossing will be referred to and looked at as a sample of the second great event that took place in history, which was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of our Lord. And there will yet be a third great event in earth's history. When Jesus comes with all of his mighty angels and the saints to do battle with the devil, the dragon, and cast him into the fire of hell. And we will cross over. Those who are obedient to the word of the Lord, who've been washed in the blood, who've made a covenant by sacrifice with Jesus, will be given new bodies as we make the transition from this world that is being utterly destroyed and will be burned to that heavenly realm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I have some very exciting things I want to share with you today. I want to look first with you in the book of Exodus, and I want to look with you at the 14th chapter. Now, what is so spectacular to me is the kindness and love God showed the children of Israel. Not only did he bring them as a nation, probably more than two million people, out of the bondage of slavery, but as they were exiting, he did not take them the three-day journey to Cana land through the Philistine territory, because the word says, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle, but not ready to fight. Now in the 14th chapter, we find this spectacular crossing of the Red Sea. As they come out of Egypt, the Lord directs their steps. A pillar of cloud leads them. They follow. At night, it is the Shekinah glory of God and gives light to the camp. Now, he directs them to encamp near Piharath between Migdal and the sea. Migdal means a tower or fortress. They're to camp there by the sea opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh, his spies discover this. 
and they believe that the children of Israel are just aimlessly wandering about in the desert. And Pharaoh and his advisors decide that they are going to go after the children of Israel. The Lord said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. He's already given them 10 plagues that have devastated their economy, their agriculture, their properties. They have been horrendously broken by these plagues that have fallen upon them. But that is not enough. Now he wants to go after them once more and bring them back as slaves to rebuild Egypt. Doesn't he know that God loves these people? Doesn't he know by now that he can't fight with the God of the Hebrews? No, he doesn't. So they gather together the army, 600 of his best chariots and charioteurs, and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers, all of them, along with foot soldiers. They have a spectacular army. They are the most powerful army in the world. They pursue the Israelites, and they overtake them as the Israelites are encamped by the sea. Now, they are closed in on every side. They have the desert. They have the mountain. There is no escape. And now the way they have come into this encampment is blocked by the army of the Egyptians. The Israelites are terrified, and well they should be. There is no escape, and they know that many will die, and those who live will be put into cruel bondage and slavery again. Now they cry out first to the Lord. But then they go to Moses and they say, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. They're terrified. Have you ever been in a place where you are terrified? Where you can't sleep at night? Everything is dead end? Nothing is working? You become hopeless in your heart? You know that you don't have the job? You can't pay the mortgage? You can't pay the rent? You don't know what to do? or sickness strikes you and your family, and you don't know what to do, and it's hopeless for you? That's what it was for the children of Israel. These two million people are caught. Now, Moses answers the people. I want you to hear this answer. Fear not. Fear not. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I have found myself in places where there was simply no escape. And I thought I knew what God wanted to do to bring about the resolution of that issue. And so, month after month, week after week, crying out to God for the deliverance that I believed God wanted to bring. And he didn't bring that deliverance and he didn't say anything. And then what do you do? You have cried out to God. You need a deliverance. You're in a very hard place. 
the finances aren't working, what do you do? How do you go through this hard time? Well, Moses said, don't be afraid. Stand. Fear not. But wait a minute. I'm dying. I can't pay the bills. I can't do what I'm supposed to do. How do I survive? And panic comes into your heart. How am I going to survive this this disease that is striking? How can I survive this disease? And terror raises up its head. Moses is saying, Don't be afraid. Stand. Watch the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Oh, wait. That's the difficult part, isn't it? The human heart doesn't want to stand still. When we're faced with a great and grave crisis, the saying, when the, when the times get tough, the tough get going. Or we have the saying, if it's going to be, it's up to me. No, it's not up to you. And when the times get tough, don't get going. Instead, cry out to the Lord. Now, you remember in this story earlier, I talked about when Moses came and showed the signs to the children of Israel, the staff being turned into a serpent, picking up the serpent by the tail and it becomes his staff, showing them how to overcome the devil. And then again, putting his hand in his garment, bringing it out and it's leprous putting it back in and bringing it out, and it's all healed, showing the utter wickedness of the human heart, and yet it can be cleansed by the power of Jesus. And then finally pouring out the water on the ground, and it becomes blood, symbolizing utter judgment and death. And the children of Israel are very pleased that God is concerned for them, they believe these signs. It's, it's a, a sign and a wonder to them, and they're all talking about it. And now Moses goes to Pharaoh with Aaron and the elders, and they ask permission. No, they don't ask permission. Let me straighten that out. They tell them God's command is that we go into the desert for a three-day journey that we would offer sacrifices, that we could then serve the Almighty God and hold a festival to the Lord. And Pharaoh says, absolutely not. Who is Yahweh? I don't know this God. I'm not going to let you go. Get back to work. And then he loads them down with additional labor that they can't possibly accomplish and beats them when they don't accomplish it. Now you remember what they did. They did not go to the Lord and cry out for deliverance. Instead, they went to Pharaoh and cried out to Pharaoh that they were being treated unfairly. Now that same attitude is being evidenced again in Exodus, the 14th chapter. And the same attitude, as we move through this story, you will see that same attitude manifests itself when they don't have water to drink. The same attitude is manifest again when they don't have food. It's the attitude of their inner heart that they will cry out against God and against Moses They will not trust him. They will not believe him that he will deliver them. How much easier it would have been 
had they cried out to God and said, O Lord, we believe you. You brought us out of Egypt with a powerful hand. You brought us out and delivered us from slavery. Here we are now at the Red Sea. We can't cross that Red Sea. It symbolizes death. But you, O God, can take us into a total deliverance. They didn't do that. Instead, they said we ought to have just died in Egypt instead of dying in the desert. What is the natural inclination of your heart? Is it to get busy and try to deliver yourself, and then when that's impossible and you can't deliver yourself, regardless of how hard you work, you can't deliver yourself, do you then turn to depression and cry out against the Lord? Or do you stand still and let the Lord fight for you? I'm still learning this lesson. It's not a lesson that is easily or quickly learned. Now, when we are still before the Lord, and we let the Lord God of heaven direct our steps, I'm not talking now about doing nothing. I'll be very specific for you. The Lord commanded that I build the National Prayer Chapel, a church. Well, I would rather have the Lord bring a great revival with signs and wonders and let that attract the people that God would want to attract. But what if that's not God's way now? What if right now God wants a solid, honest, seeking group of people who will pay the price to come before God and wait upon him together like the 120 in the upper room? Now I'll tell you what I most need. I need a church that's willing to pay that price. Honest men and women, boys and girls, who are willing to come together and let Jesus be first and set Jesus as first in their hearts and learn how to walk together in prayer, learn how to walk together in service, learn how to trust Almighty God. Times of refreshing will come from the Holy Spirit to the church. But first, we must be the church. So, what I need, what my heart cries out for, is a holy people who are willing to pay the price, whatever that price is, to be together as the body of Christ, to sacrifice all on the altar for Jesus. And then the second thing that I need is to see the lost saved, to see the darkness pushed back by the power of God. Now, it's very clear that the church can only be built by the power of the Lord. The darkness can only be pushed back by the power of the Lord. And so, I'm called to obey the Lord in two areas. One, right now, my call is to build church. To invite people who are serious about Jesus to build with me. And secondly to come on this radio broadcast and by the power of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, push back the darkness of Washington, D.C. That's standing still for me right now. 
It is doing what Jesus has asked me to do by faith. Walking by faith in obedience to his word to me. Recognizing that I have no power to bring these two things to pass. I can't build the church with human strength. God has to call the people. I can't push back the darkness with this radio broadcast. That has to be done by the power of the Spirit as I come and speak the word that I've been called to speak. Now notice, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. But that still is also in obedience to the call of the Holy Spirit. It's not idleness. It's reading the word. It's praying. It's obeying the Lord in everything he calls us to do, regardless of how difficult it might be, for he will be the power in it. Notice verse 15, Exodus 14, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Moses is crying out in unbelief as well. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. The Lord always gives us a promise a promise to stand on. Then instruction on the course of action we are to take. Now the problem comes in my life if the Lord gives me a promise and I think there needs to be another way. You know, I've been crying out to the Lord with with others that no false spirit could enter the National Prayer Chapel. That no spirit of darkness, of contention, could enter the prayer chapel. That every person who comes to the prayer chapel will have a humble heart, without expectations, without contention, and simply come to hear and direct their lives after the word of the Lord. Now, let's be clear. This Red Sea is the, is the division between death and life. If the children of Israel stay stuck beside the Red Sea, the Egyptian army is going to sweep in and destroy them. The Egyptians are going to make them beasts of burden. The Red Sea has to part. Can the children of Israel part the Red Sea? Can they get their buckets and go down and scoop out the water and dump it on the desert and empty the Red Sea? No, of course not. They can't do it. The children of Israel cannot save themselves. It's impossible. They can't turn around and fight the Egyptian army. The Egyptians have chariots and and all the implements of war, and they are trained warriors. They would sweep through and massacre the children of Israel if they tried to fight against them. They can't run to the hot desert because if they do, they're going to die out there. There's no food and water out there for them. They are caught. Their situation is utterly impossible. There is no way through this except through the grave. And the Red Sea is their grave. It's referred to as a baptism in the New Testament. 
What is a baptism? It is being put down under the water. It is dying and being brought up in newness of life. The children of Israel are about to be baptized by crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. Now, sometimes the directions the Lord gives are very painful and hard. The church, the Christian church, is ground zero. It is the basic element. It is the body of Jesus Christ. Now, the church in America has largely become apostate, and the angel has withdrawn the lamp and has left them desolate. It breaks my heart to say that. I don't say it with any animus. But the church in America has turned to hip-hop, sequence and dance, to entertainment. One church considers it a night out for the guys to go and smoke cigars and gamble with nickels. That's their spiritual gathering. This is apostasy in the church. But it's religious, and so, in a way, it comforts the human flesh. And people believe that they're saved, even though they're still walking in darkness and sin. No, there's going to have to be a baptism of the American church. And I believe we are coming to a time when that baptism will take place. Where there will be a great separation between those who are true believers in Jesus and those who are cultural Christians, lukewarm, hard-hearted, love the world, the flesh, and the devil, versus those who are utterly sold out to follow Jesus. children of Israel are going to have to go through this Red Sea. And they cannot part it, and they cannot swim it. They have nothing to build rafts with. They are stuck. Now, the Lord gives a very specific command. Verse 16 of chapter 14. This is Exodus 14, verse 16. To Moses... Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water. Remember, this is the staff of God. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. The sea is going to divide now, and the Israelites are going to go through on dry ground. The wall of water on both sides both on their right and the left. Now, I don't know where they crossed, and archaeologists have been finding some interesting things. They found sign of the children of Israel, and there happens to be a land bridge under the water, but not at the depth of the water. And many think that this land bridge was established for the children of Israel to cross and the water piled up on both sides, and they walked through with the water piled up. I don't know. Archaeologists have found the remains of chariots on the bottom of the sea with the wheel off. I don't know if that's where the children of Israel crossed. I want to read for you a passage from the New Testament regarding all of this. It's found in the book of Hebrews. Let me read this for you. It's in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. By faith, verse 24, by faith, 
Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover. Remember what Passover means, the covering wing of God, the Pesach, and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Now, verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Now, I want you to, to hear this word and not pass by it quickly. By faith. By faith. The Israelites crossed over. So there is a time of waiting upon God, being still before God, until we have very clear direction. And when we hear direction, but it's not the correct direction, nothing happens. And we sit still. And we wait. I understand. I've done that many times where I've not wanted to do what God wanted me to do. I thought he would do something else. But finally, it becomes clear, this is what I want you to do. Now, as soon as I begin to walk in obedience to what he has commanded, the way opens. Faith based on a promise. Faith always must be based on a rhema word of God, a spoken word of God in the scriptures to my heart through a brother or sister. And as I'm clear about what that spoken word is, I begin to walk in obedience to that word. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. There comes a time when faith demands action. Where we can't stand still anymore. We've got to move forward by faith and do what God has called us to do. Now, please hear me when I say, the body of Christ, the church, is the business of Christ in our day and in our culture. The church has become lukewarm and apostate and has lost its power and its influence in our culture. The heart of the Lord is grieved over this. And there must be an awakening now in all of us to establish what God has called for, which is his body broken, his blood poured out to establish his church. The church is the body of Christ. Now, please, I'm drawing a parallel here between the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea and the Christian who is who dies to self is crucified and Christ comes and dwells in that person and in that church the children of Israel are the church of the Old Testament they are called out of Egypt. They are delivered through the Red Sea where they are baptized and brought out into the desert where they are going to experience the fullness of God's power. And they have an opportunity to walk faithfully before God. 
They have an opportunity to walk by faith in the living God of heaven, and they will be delivered to Cana land. But they refuse to walk by faith. They constantly grumble against God until they make the living God of heaven angry with them. They constantly are falling for the Moabite women, or they're constantly grumbling about the food. God brings them into this desert where there is no food and where there is no water for them, and he supplies them with the food of angels. We're also told in the Psalms that not one person was sick in the desert. There were no infirm people being pushed in wheelchairs as they go out into that desert. The Lord has healed every person. He has given them strength. And the children of Israel don't die. They're not sick. The diseases of the Egyptians don't come upon them. And as they go out into that desert, they are given the food of angels. They have the meat to eat from their sacrifices and fellowship offerings to God. So they have beef, and they have goat, and they have lamb to eat. But they want chicken. They want quail. And they grumble and argue and rebel. They are the called-out ones from Egypt. Finally, because they refuse to be in faith with God, they refuse to obey His commands. The children of Israel, all but Caleb and Joshua, die in the desert. They were called out, but they were not brought into Cana land. Now, I want to I share another passage of Scripture with you, please. And this is terrifying. It's found in the book of Hebrews. I'll begin with chapter 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion, speaking of the, Christ, of the children of Israel. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all that Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you may be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. So I declared with an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. There is yet a rest for the people of God. And he, he writes in verse 11, Hebrews chapter th 4, verse 11, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the example, their example of disobedience. Then we come to the 10th chapter, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, the children of Israel were baptized, they crossed over on dry ground, they entered into that desert where God provided everything for them, and they were filled with unbelief. And after 40 years of wandering out there, they died, and their children were brought in. Now, a way has been opened through the body of Jesus Christ, a way into the most holy place where the Shekinah glory of God dwells. We have been invited to enter through the broken body of Jesus into the most holy compartment of God where the Shekinah glory dwells. But to do that, we must leave our sin. And we must walk by faith. We must stand still before Almighty God. It's impossible for us to enter into the most holy compartment of heaven by any fleshly means. We must rather leave our sin and wait upon God, wait upon Jesus, and he will bring us in to righteousness. It is a gift by faith, not phony, imputed righteousness, but glorious, imparted righteousness. Verse 26, this is Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning, and all sin is deliberate, my brother, my sister. Sin is intentional rebellion against God. That is the Greek biblical definition of harmatia. It's not missing the mark. It's deliberately missing the mark. It is rebellion against God. If we deliberately... Keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth. No sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You are an enemy of God if you continue to walk in disobedience to his commands. So we have two places of crossing. We have the crossing of the Red Sea which symbolized death for the children of Israel and being brought into the glorious presence of Almighty God, where the Shekinah glory shone forth from the tabernacle at night and where the cloud of his presence rose in the day to provide shade in the hot desert and to guide them for where they should camp and where they should go. They followed the cloud. They followed the presence of the Almighty God. And then the tabernacle was with them. And in the most holy compartment was the Shekinah glory of God over the mercy seat. So the children of Israel are brought out of slavery to the Red Sea where they die. They become new people in Jesus and they are led forth into that wilderness with full provision. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. They were not sick. They were filled with health. And secondly, there is a second place where the people of God are brought out of paganism and darkness through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. And we are brought into the most holy compartment of Almighty God. And if we don't enter in and let him make us righteous, we will die in our sin, even as the children of Israel died in their sin. The Red Sea parted. And likewise, the way into the heavenly compartment, into the very presence of Almighty God, 
the way opened up through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And you were invited to enter and to be made righteous. We've called that the school of the Holy Spirit, where we are regenerated, we are changed, we are transformed. And we learn to follow and obey the word of the Lord. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast today. I want to take just a moment. There are such important things happening in our nation's capital. This wicked thing that is happening in our Congress with this impeachment, it is utterly ungodly and wicked. What's happening with the Iranians who are Christians, what's happening with the Nigerians, with those in Saudi Arabia, with those in China. Let's pray. Lord, I just lift before you this whole impeachment charade, and I ask for your mighty hand to rescue the American government. Lord, I pray against what the governor of Virginia is doing as he tries to push through a gun grab, sparking even civil war. This man who hates, who hates babies, who's willing to kill babies after they're born, not just abort, but then kill babies that are healthy, that are born alive. Lord, this wicked man, I pray you will remove him from the governorship of Virginia. And Lord, the many who are under deep oppression persecution and death, your men and women who are serving you, who are faithful before you, who are losing their homes and the protections. Lord, I plead your mercy today for your people all around the world, but especially here in America as well. Thank you, Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. Well, I'm Ray Greenlee. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress from the National Prayer Chapel. You can write to me at Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I would greatly appreciate hearing from you. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. We are a faith ministry, and I'm standing by faith that radio is covered for this month. It doesn't look possible. I'm standing still and watching Jesus. You can also go to nationalprayerchapel.com, one word. You can give online. I'd be greatly encouraged to hear from some of you. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. The presence of His glory with great joy with great joy now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with Jesus Christ.